the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yesterday, here on Way of Grace, we began looking at the discerning of spirits, different languages, and interpretation of languages. We'll continue with that theme as we continue our look at the gifts of the Holy Spirit, next on Way of Grace. It is a comprehensive list of gifts that God has given to His children, His people in the church, for His glory and the benefit of those around us. Today we continue our look at those spiritual gifts and the profit that these spiritual gifts bring. Christ in You, the Hope of Glory, Part 3. We're looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 today, verses 7 through 12, but also Acts chapter 16, verses 11 through 18. Join us as we focus in on the discerning of spirits, different languages, and interpretation of those languages here in the next couple of programs. Here's Pastor Jesse with today's broadcast. We are addressing the gifts of the Spirit of God and how they are designed to profit the body. We've been looking at them very carefully and working through how the apostle has clearly affirmed for us in 1 Corinthians 12 the nature of the triune God in his deep and intentional uh, participation in the giving of the gifts. And we made a number of observations over the last couple of weeks, which are really frameworks for your understanding this whole thing about gifts of the spirit, of which we have stated that every believer has one or more gifts. You may not know what they are. You may not be operating out of them, or you may be operating out of them and not know it, and therefore not operate out of them at the level of efficiency and effectiveness that you would really want. And so our study around the gifts of the Spirit is our study around the person and work of the Holy Spirit. And we affirm that the origin or source of these gifts is from God the Father that was made known to us by the Apostle Paul using the term over in verse 6. And there are a diversity of operations, but it is the same God which worketh all in all. Then we affirm that not only is God the Father the one who is the original source, but that the Lord Jesus is the administrative authority of all of the gifts. And we saw that in verse 5. And there are differences of administration, but the same Lord, that is Jesus Christ. So we have God the Father in verse 6 and God the Son in verse 5. And then we saw how that the Lord Jesus administrating the gifts gives the responsibility of the diversification or application of each of the gifts to every member of the body. And we saw that over in verse number four. Now there are 
diversities of gifts, but the same spirit. We honed in on the way the apostle established this triune collaboration. You can't miss it. The father is involved. The son is involved and the spirit is involved. He uses this word, the same God, the same Lord, the same spirit, meaning that they are one in purpose, distinct in persons, one in purpose. And that means that the pouring out or the giving forth of the gifts of the spirit to the body of Christ is really a consequence of the intellectual genius of God the Father and of God the Son and of God the Holy Spirit. This sort of preface to our study mandates that you and I understand that the gifts are never ever the product of some kind of whimsical force given to people at their own will and then kind of executed in some kind of chaotic way that actually pushes people away from God. If you understand what I mean, if God is intelligent, if he is rational, if he's all wise and all powerful and all knowing when he gives gifts to his people, they are designed to bring glory to the triune God and centrally to Jesus Christ. And one of the things we laid out is that what Paul is doing is a corrective in first and second Corinthians around the use of the gifts. We won't deal with that deeply today, but in part, we will affirm, however, that when the gifts are properly applied by the spirit of God, and this is stated clearly in verse 11, but all these worketh, worketh, that one and self-same spirit. Will you notice what that first clause says? It's the spirit of God that works the gifts. When the gifts are working properly, having been dispersed by God to every member of the body, it is not the member of the body, properly speaking, working the gifts. It's the spirit of God working the gifts. And that makes sense because if the spirit of God is the one giving you the gifts, and he's the one working the gifts, then the gifts are going to be applied properly, are they not? And one of the questions that we might be then working through is, how is it that you find in so many churches the chaos and confusion that is coupled with this thing called the charismata? How is it that we have found as a legacy throughout history that many of our Pentecostal churches and many of our charismatic churches have operated unbiblically in the gifts? And I will assert to you it's because they are operating out of the gifts in a fleshly manner, contrary to the guidance of the Spirit of God. And that distinction you must comprehend. That a person can have a gift and that gift can be employed the wrong way. That you and I can have certain qualities or characteristics and attributes and, and therefore giftings because all believers, if you're truly a believer, is a charismatic. You are spiritual and therefore you have a gift. But if you operate in the wrong way in that gift, you do not glorify God. You do not exalt Jesus Christ and you do not actually affirm that it's God working in you and through you by which the gifts are being employed. The question that would come to reasonable, rational thinking people is, can a person actually uh, go a long way uh, and, and, and profoundly impact people by a wrong use of gifts? Of course. Please hear this. We have many churches that are in error around the gifts of the Spirit of God. Many have fallen prey to fleshly and carnal applications of gifts that God has given us. We saw in the talents several times where Jesus gave one, one talent, one five and the other 10. And one of those brothers was so bad he didn't even use his gift. Remember, 
He wrapped it up in a napkin and stuck it in the ground and didn't even employ it. So there are some who don't use their gift. There are others who use it the wrong way. And then there are others yet still who apply it properly. But the proper application of the gifts means that you are in total submission to the reality of the true and the living God. And he's actually working in you the will and the do of his good pleasure. Where you are not properly applying the gifts, you cannot assert that it's the Holy Ghost working in you. I have been around Pentecostals for a long time. Drunks, dope fiends, speaking in tongues, babbling, asserting the gift of prophecy and miracles and all of that kind of stuff. And the lifestyle belied the fact that they were not in connection with, in communion with the spirit of the living God. And thus that gift was a shamble. As we have already learned in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, Paul says, if I speak with the tongues of men or with the tongues of angel, and yet love is not dominating my life and the spirit of God is not controlling my life, I'm just a tinkling cymbal and a sounding brass. I'm making a bunch of noise and impacting no one's life for the glory of God. And I'm certainly not affirming the reality of Jesus Christ, the risen Messiah. So as we work through these again today, we're going to deal with the second, third set of categories that's given to us. Nine gifts are laid out in chapter 12, verses 1 through uh, 10. However, Paul also gives us eight more gifts over in verse 28, uh, qualitative gifts. And I, I would assert them over in verse 28. And God has set some in the church, first apostles, secondarily prophets, thirdly teachers. And after that, miracles, then gifts of healings. Gifts of helps, gifts of government, and then what? Diversity of tongues. We will be touching on that more fully here today as we deal with the third category of gifts given to us in verses 8 through verse uh, 11. We started off dealing with the word of wisdom in verse 8. For one to one is given the spirit, the, one is given by the spirit, rather, the word of wisdom. To another, the word of knowledge by the same spirit, that's two gifts, and then to another faith. We built on that. If you want that study, you'll have to go get it by the same spirit. Then we get to our second triad, another, the gift of healing by the same spirit, and then another, the working of miracles, which we understood them to be two different manifestations. And then thirdly, to another prophecy. That's your second category of threes. You guys got that? Now we're working on our third category of threes. We left off last time dealing with the gift of prophecy. And what I stated to you was that in um, a very real way, the gift of prophecy is the capacity on a functional level to share the word of God. That men and women are all generally gifted with the right to share the gospel. And the gospel is prophetic in its ultimate sense, for the gospel speaks of things before time, in time, and beyond time. And therefore, they are prophetic. They are prophetic in that the biblical definition of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus Christ. Revelation 19.10, you want to mark it because there are many of our poor brothers and sisters who have a very pagan and erroneous view of prophecy. The Bible explicitly tells us if a man or a woman has the gift of prophecy, the subject of their message is not going to be them. It's going to be Jesus. For all the spirit of God has been dispensed and dispersed and dispatched to do is to glorify Jesus. 
So John learned this in Revelation 19. I fell at his feet to worship him. And he said unto me, see, thou do it not. I am thy fellow servant and of thy brethren that have the what? Testimony of Jesus. Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. One of the ways I know that you are not a prophet of God is that what does not come out of your mouth as the dominant theme, the dominant message, and the dominant passion is the person and work of Jesus Christ. You are not a prophet of God if it's about you, if it's about me, if it's about us. You are not God's servant. We'll see that more uh, more so today in our text. But wherever the spirit of prophecy is working, Jesus told us in John chapter 16, verse 13, and he will take the things of mine and do what? Show them unto you. He will not speak of himself. He will glorify me. And I've learned that this is the plumb line that has separated the sheep from the goats all my saved life. All my saved life, I've discovered that the sheep hear that axiom of truth because the sheep only want to hear about and from Jesus. My sheep hear my voice. Another they will not follow, parentheses, always. Because sometimes we stupid and we will listen to a fool because we're foolish as we'll see as we deal with our last three categories. But the sheep of Jesus Christ learn by and by that the only voice that ever is secure, safe, sound, and saving, sanctifying is the voice of Jesus, the shepherd of our soul. And when I hear Jesus preached and taught and expounded and glorified, I'm at home, I'm in the sheep pen with all of God's eternally redeemed men and women safe in the hands of my chief shepherd, my great shepherd the Lord Jesus Christ. And where that's not happening, you're not one of his sheep. And we have a real problem in our church world with people drifting hither and yon and caught up in this and that where Jesus is not the message. We'll see that in our Acts text here in a moment as we work through the gift of discernment. And so we do come to that third category that's described over in uh, verse 10 for us. To another, the working of miracles, another prophecy, to another, discerning of spirits. Do you see it? To another, the discerning of spirits. And what we stated last time is clearly uh, to be repeated almost ad nauseum. All of the gifts are designed to manifest the messianic operation of Jesus through his body, the church. In other words, the body of Christ is the extension of Christ in the world. In the same way that Christ operated when he was here, so the body of Christ is to operate. And when that, when that composite is seen, when you see collectively the gifts being employed in the manner in which Jesus did it when he was here and in the manner in which the apostles did it when they were here, then you can be comfortable that what you are seeing is a manifestation of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, through his body. And so the gift of discernment, Let's look at that very carefully. The gift of discernment is a gift that is not intrinsic to you and I as a quality by which in our natural capacity we can discern. You know, a lot of times we have, uh, how do we call it? I got a feeling. Or um, I just got a notion. You know, I got a funny feeling about this or that. Now, that funny feeling or notion may be an unction, but it is not the gift of discernment. Let me help you with that because... Truth be told, we have had funny feelings and unctions 
and have been wrong. See, an honest person ain't going to go to hell. You have had funny feelings about this person, that person, this thing or that thing, and you were dead wrong. And you had to be honest about that and go, you know what, I, I, I missed that assignment. And you were operating out, out of some kind of preconceived notion, some kind of prism, some kind of set of assumptions that led you to put your guard up or affirm a thing, but you did not have the gift of discernment operating to help you see that for what it really was. Just to drive this home as we deal with this seventh gift, it is often within the framework of the family that we discover how mature or immature we are as believers. It is in the framework of our own ontological families where we discover how immature we are or how mature we are as believers. We can fool people at church, mama, but you can't fool your children, your children. Your children will pick up on the fact that you are a sham, that you're a hypocrite that you don't have the powers that you might exercise with your girlfriends and, and folks in church. They'll pick up quickly that you are fraudulent in your assertion of being some great godly woman. They will. And dad, you don't have a chance if your children are the opposite sex. I'm speaking from experience now. And you go around making assertions and assumptions about qualitative gifts of the spirit operating through you when over and over again, you will have missed the assignment. You will have gotten them wrong. You know, all that means is by nature, you and I are still relatively blind to spiritual things. Secondarily, when we do operate out of the gifts of the spirit, here's what you know distinctly. You know that it was the spirit that gave you discernment to comprehend a thing aright, and it wasn't you. See, the Bible makes it very plain. The natural man does not have the mind of the spirit. Spiritual things are foolishness to him. They are an aversion to him. He operates outside of the gifting of those qualities. Every believer does have the mind of Christ if you're truly born again. But that mind must be developed and the gift of discernment must be operating in a proper context for you to see it through. For instance, going back to Acts 16, where we were, do you remember how that Paul had to deal with the advancement of the gospel in the area of Philippi, where he was able to start a great ministry uh, with the women at the, at the water. But as he's moving through in Acts chapter 13, start with me at verse 9 in Acts 13, you'll notice how something occurs. Then Saul, this is another example, but I want Acts 16. The same followed Paul, I need to go back to verse 15 because I want some of us to catch it. Now, some of y'all know this. And when she, that is Lydia, was baptized her in her house, she besought us saying, if you have judged me to be faithful to the Lord, come into my house and abide there. And she constrained us. This is Luke writing about how Lydia and a bunch of women who had been waiting on God at the river in Philippi, praying, met the apostle Paul, heard the preaching of the gospel, and her heart was opened to the revelation of God in Christ. Now that's what salvation is. Salvation is God opening your heart to the reality of who Jesus is. 
That woman, Lydia, had never, ever heard the whole message of the gospel. She was a proselyte. And like many of John the Baptist's disciples, they were waiting on Jesus to come. They didn't have the full message. Christ had come. He had died. He had been buried. And he was risen again. And the apostles were called to take that message to the world. When Lydia heard about the risen, reigning Lord Jesus, her heart was open. She did not open her own heart. God opened her heart. No man can open their own heart. Only God can open your heart. God is the one that gives you salvation. You don't take salvation. God has to open your heart, raise you from the dead, open your eyes, cause you to see Jesus, cause you to fall in love with Jesus, and then grace you to say yes to Jesus. That's what happened to Lydia. And the subsequent fruit of that revelation, that saving revelation of Jesus was that she wanted them to stay at his house. Now, didn't we learn all through the Bible, the pattern of being born again is that when the agents of salvation come into your sphere and impact you with the gospel, you want to continue with them. We've seen it all through the Bible. That wherever the gospel comes in reality and in power and brings you into a saving knowledge of God, you don't want to depart. You want that fellowship. You want to draw near to God. More, more about Jesus is the way it goes when you're truly born again. And so Paul hung out with Lydia and her band for a while. And then we're told in verse 16, these words, and it came to pass as we went to prayer, a certain damsel possessed with a spirit of divination, what? Met with us. Here is what we call the uh, relentless test of the devil. Wherever God is working, working through his servants to preach and to teach the gospel, the enemy must come along to see who is discerning and who is not. The devil is going to always go to church. He's been coming to church since the days of Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were the first two members of the gospel church in the Garden of Eden. And the devil slipped in one day and had a conversation with Eve. And the whole world went awry. You meet the devil again in the book of Job where the sons of God gathered around the throne room of God. And here comes the devil again. Wherever the sons of God are, here comes the devil. Why? Because he wants to usurp the authority of Christ. He is there to test us. First Corinthians chapter 11 verse 19 says, heresies must be among you to discern those who really can see. So what's happening here is this woman is following them as they go down to the riverside to worship and to pray. And notice what she's doing, ladies and gentlemen, as they went, the spirit of divination met with us, this woman with a spirit of divination, which brought her masters much gain by what's the word? That's the same word attached to the appellation of Balaam. Balaam was a soothsayer. In other words, he was an imposter pretending to be a child of God, purporting to know God and to advance God's cause. Now watch this. There are lots of Christians who are undiscerning, who will receive and embrace anybody who will even use the word God. There, there are untold numbers of professing Christians who quickly sanctify folks and say they are saved simply because they knew, use the name Jesus. And yet you and I know that devils use the name Jesus all the time. And so what we have in our text is an example of a test that's coming. Now, notice what verse 17 says. I want you to mark it. I'm getting ready to unpack the gift of discernment right here, although we could use several examples. Here is one model of the gift of discernment. First of all, Paul initially put up with it. In other words, you don't run people out of the church because they come in not smelling like you or looking like you. You give them time to demonstrate whether or not they are there in peace or in war, 
to demonstrate whether or not people are seeking Jesus or seeking something for themselves. That's just the way it goes. You prove all things and then you hold fast to that which is good. You try the spirits, whether they are of God or not. So that takes time. And so what we have in this account is that Paul allowed her to follow. And it says the same followed Paul and us who's talking Luke and cried saying, these men are the servants of the most high God, which show unto us the way of salvation. Do you hear it? Do you hear it? But did you really hear it? Because if you don't really hear it, you don't see anything wrong with her literal words. These men are the servants of the most high God which show unto us the way of salvation. It sounds all so good, doesn't it? And it's the kind of language that gets undiscerning professors because it appears to laud God. But in reality, it's lauding men. Studying God's Word that we might show ourselves approved, that we might come to a deeper love and understanding of God's amazing love for us in Jesus Christ. This has been Way of Grace with Pastor Jessica Stand from Grace Bible Church here in Hayward. We are always delighted and grateful that you take a few moments to spend with us, that we might, again, study to show ourselves approved. And as we leave you today, we would also leave you with an invitation to join us for worship in person. If you enjoy the teaching ministry of Pastor Jessica Stand and Grace Bible Church of Hayward, please consider this a formal invitation to spend Sundays with us. 11 a.m. is the worship service, 10 a.m. if you would like to join us for Sunday school. And don't forget, Friday evenings at 8 p.m., we have enjoyed a marvelous time of studying God's Word with brothers and sisters in Christ from a variety of churches all over the Bay Area. That's at 8 p.m. Friday evenings. For directions and more information, simply stop by our website, grace-bible.com. That's grace-bible.com. Or give us a call, 510-886-9782. That's 510-886-9782. If you're looking for a copy of today's program, you can either contact us by phone or mail. Send $5 and we'll get a CD out to you. Or stop by grace-bible.com and download the audio file for free. The address, if you're writing to us, is 22768 Main Street, Hayward, California. 94541 is our zip code. And one final note as we conclude our time together today. We're able to come to you daily here on KFAX because of friendships and partnerships with people such as you who see the value of this ministry. Now, while it is free to listen to, for us, there is a cost, and we are a listener-supported ministry. No matter the size of your gift, it's greatly appreciated. So would you take a moment and pray about it and then contact us with your gift today? 510-886-9782 is our phone number, or write to us, 22768 Main Street, Hayward, California, 94541. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. Until next time, God bless. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.